fight begin. Welcome to It's Real to Us, the wrestling podcast, featuring your host, Anthony the Mark, Tony the Father, and Tiny Mike. What's going on, you guys? Get on in here, you beautiful people, and welcome to It's Real to Us, the wrestling podcast. As a reminder, you can find us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at It's Real to Us, and for some reason on YouTube, we're at It's Real to Us 1. On today's episode, we are going to review and discuss the first AEW Dynamite of the year. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. This is It's Real to Us. They don't normally do AEW. Well, it's a new year and it's a new us, ladies and gentlemen. And that is because we were live in attendance for the first AEW Dynamite of the year. Now, if you missed the show or just couldn't watch it, don't worry about it. Because yours truly and Tony the Father are going to break down everything you might have missed with the fastest AEW Dynamite recap. Adam Satan Cole, alongside his devil worshippers, the Undisputed Kingdom, explained why he betrayed MJF. Why, Adam, why? But then, Jay White Goodman and his global gym guns rushed the ring. No one makes me bleed my own blood. That's ball. As the Undisputed Kingdom beat down Bullet Club Gold, Outstown Population, you bro, out came our average Joes, the acclaim to make the save. Scissor me, daddy! Ah! The international championship was up for grabs in a high-flying, soft-tapping, hands-in-pocket type of match. Dante Martin Lawrence is a bad boy for life, but ultimately wasn't bad enough for Orange Cassidy. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when the juice comes for you? Orange freshly squeezed his grip and retained the title. Cassidy defeats Martin. Timeless Tony Storm and her understudy, Mariah Carey May, truly belong together. Both women slandered New Jersey before May took center stage for her in-ring AEW debut against Queen Amanita. After a back-and-forth competitive contest, Mariah refused to bow down to the Queen and won her debut. But before the curtains could fall, Deanna, Snooki Barrazzo, made her surprise debut and upstaged the understudy. Chin up, tits out, and let's get fist pumping. The Jersey Shore native is in AEW to fight and party. Four scores and seven years ago, President Christian Cage delivered a State of the Union address to thank his loving family, except Killswitch. For the TNT Championship recount, that took place at World's End. The arrogant and self-righteous dad of the patriarchy demanded all the glory for himself as Luchasaurus chants filled the arena. Will the red-headed stepchild kill Switch once again evolve into Luchasaurus? Watch your back, Christian. Darby Allen Iverson was looking to step over Konoshke Takeshka in the AEW rankings. But we're not talking about practice. We ain't talking about practice, no. We're talking about the match. And it was Kanoshke who took a shit on Allen and dominated from the opening tip. Takeshka picks up the win. Trent Williams Beretta is heading to San Francisco to get the gold around his waist. After blocking out three of the wrestlers in the Eliminator match, Beretta earned the chance to win the Continental Championship 
from the Brooklyn Brawler, Eddie Kingston. Good luck, Beretta, beating anyone from Brooklyn. Forget about And in the main event, Swerve, Strickland, and Danny Garcia danced the night away. While it takes two to tango, Swerve was the crowd favorite, strutting his stuff and leaving the match with his hand held high. But then, Adam, Hangman, give me a drink, Paige, hit the ring, keeping us all on our toes. The heated rivals then fought until being separated. Looks like Swerve Strickland versus Adam Page. Part three will be coming to a theater near you very, very soon. That was the fastest AEW Dynamite recap. Hello, everybody, and welcome to It's Real to Us. I'm Anthony the Mark, joined alongside Tony the Father and Tiny Mike. Today, we're going to be talking about the very first AEW show of the year, and more on that, we were live in attendance, and oh man, was it so much fun. Yeah, first show for myself as an AEW fan, big AEW fan, and in one word, what I would give this show as a rating, it was Dynamite. Oh, wow! Obviously, anybody who's been listening to the show knows that we're predominantly WWE, so it was nice to step out of our comfort zone and experience a new fan base. It's nice to come into my comfort zone, baby. Fan base was incredible. Everybody down there was so cool, chill. It was a great time. We were VIP in the BMW M Lounge. One section 118, I picked them up for a fucking steal. When I went to get those tickets, when I saw them, it said, fantastic, best, all-time best deal. And I was looking at the section. I saw some seats for like $190 in the section. They wanted 79 I was in row five. I couldn't believe it. And then when I got there, we had free food. Yeah, there was so much free food. Oh, by the way, when the guy charged me twice for two beers, I got a refund on $15. Nice. So I got two beers for 15 bucks. That's great, man. It's awesome. Yeah, the Prudential Center rocked. I forgot how much I enjoyed it there. And we had a fantastic time. We talked to so many great people. We actually did a survey. We asked everybody, hundreds of fans, who their favorite AEW wrestler was. And we had a lot of fun answers, so let's just go over the results. So coming in at 10 was a tie between the current AEW world champion Samoa Joe and Will Ospreay. Coming in at 9, we got Jay White. 8, the acclaimed. 7, Christian Cage. 6, Adam Cole. 5, Kenny Omega. 4, John Moxley. 3, Orange Cassidy. Two Swerve Strickland. And the number one wrestler, as voted on by the AEW fans, is MJF, the current AEW world champion with 74 votes. Do you have any surprises on this list? I'm a little disappointed Timeless didn't make the list. I am furious with Adam Cole because he turned on MJF. So seeing him on the list gets me a little upset, but I think that's a good thing. Well, he was the devil, too, so that's got to be a part of it, too. People like that. What I'm confused about the devil, there are a couple segments or backstage cuts where he's walking around fine this man's limping right now i don't know if the plan the entire time was to have adam cole be the devil but i think it just made sense there was no other answer there was no other answer what do you do put jungle boy there it would have inspired no one i wanted Britt baker but that's that's a rabbit hole my biggest surprise on this list is that jay white made the top 10 Dude. I, I, when you got guys like uh, Adam Copeland, Malachi Black that didn't make the list, Adam Page, Nero, Nero, Nero only got one fucking vote. I don't know what that's all. I about. think this is going to be kind of the theme of this episode, and it's that yourself is such a big WWE fan and not as much as an AEW. You're just not familiar with the work of some of these guys. I thought Jay White came out and looked amazing in the start of this uh, show. Yeah, Jay White's awesome, but I'm still surprised he beat some of these other wrestlers out. The biggest surprise for me is that. 
Eddie Kingston isn't on this list. How is Eddie not on the list? He's arguably the hottest superstar. And I spoke to a lot of people, and I know he got a lot of votes. But, yeah, he, he's just outside the top ten. But it goes to show you how Jericho, much... Jericho. It's the list. Jericho's not on the list. Takeshka's not on the list. How could Jericho not be on the list? Darby Allen's not on the list. Darby Allen's... He got votes, Darby Allen and Jericho, but they weren't close to the top ten. I was surprised. No, it just goes to show you how much talent... There is Brian Danielson's off the list in the AEW locker room. So with that being said, our number one guy, MJF, let's talk about him losing the title because at World's End, his historic title reign came to an end when Samoa Joe became the new AEW world champion and Adam Cole revealed himself to be the devil. What did we think about all this? Was this the right decision? Yeah, you had to take it off him at this time because he's technically not signed as of January 1. Maybe it's a work, maybe it's not. And he's definitely got a torn labrum, so it was perfect time to take him off. Absolutely. I was really worried they were going to keep it on him because he is, like our survey shows, the most popular guy carrying up a company that's struggling. But Samoa Joe's hot, fits in the story. Now you get to kind of work in Adam Culver's MJF, which gives both of them time to kind of heal up. was real worried that they were going to keep it on him, but I think it's the right move to pull the trigger and take it off. Yeah, I agree. It's the right move. I'm just disappointed because I'm a big MJF fan, and his face run was working. but. This moment might make him an even bigger face champion going forward. So hats off to you, Max. Get healthy and get back soon. So MJF is no longer the champion, and he is also no longer an active member of the AEW roster. Yeah, we really don't know if he's signed or not, so we're going to find out in the next couple of months. But pertaining to why MJF is no longer here, that is because Adam Cole, MJF's best friend, stabbed him in the back after revealing to be the devil and started the Undisputed Kingdom, a group consisting of himself, Roderick Strong, Wardlow, Mike Bennett, and Matt Taven. So Cole introduced his group, and then he basically said, if you didn't see Adam Cole turning on MJF, you just don't know Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, Adam Cole basically said that MJF is all about himself. He was trying to convince the audience that it was a good thing what he did for AEW, that MJF was self-centered, he's all about himself, he doesn't care about other people. So Adam Cole was looking like, you know, he was a savior. He tried to present like, hey, listen to me. I saved the fucking world by getting rid of this guy. I thought that this was a great first representation of what the Undisputed Kingdom is going to be in AEW, and they're probably going to be a focal point of a lot of the storylines moving forward. I definitely agree. It's just there's one thing that seems off for me, and that's Wardlow. I don't know what it was, but he seemed a little wishy-washy. Then you had the part where Adam Cole's like, yeah, Wardlow's going to get that world title and give it to me. I don't think he's going to last long with this crew. I think they're waiting and stalling until Kyle O'Reilly's neck heals up. And he had that look on his face like he was half lobotomized. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wardlow's best attribute is his muscle. Like, he is the perfect muscle for a faction like this, but he's done it, I think, three times now. He's yeah. MJF's muscle, he was the Pinnacle's muscle, and now he's this guy's muscle. Well, the problem is I just don't think he can get over by himself. Oh, it's so sad. He's a 5'11 big boy. It's not going to work for him by himself. I really hope they don't do him versus Samoa Joe because we've seen that match for the TNT oh, that's Championship. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that'll be down the road, though. It won't be right away. It could be It's right a away. perfect right away because it fits into my theory that he's short-term Wardlow. And it makes sense that Samoa Joe would give Adam Cole and the Devil a title shot because they helped him get the title. So maybe Wardlow gets the title opportunity that way? Wardlow also does moonsaults. You can't be a heel and do moonsaults. It doesn't work. <sighs> he's so unlikable. I think he could be a heel just fine. But anyway, let's leave that there because after Adam Cole introduced everyone to the Undisputed Kingdom, out came Jay White and the Guns. 
I love Jay White's little blade that he comes down with. Because when that hit, I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, with his th- song, it's like a just giant blade slicing through oh, something yeah. clean. That's yeah. such a fun little start to a uh-huh. theme. That it, catches the, uh, my attention like it's, nothing. It's similar to Drew McIntyre's sword in his entrance song. Takeshka needs to take notes on that. Takeshka's fucking theme song is horrible. We'll get to that a little later on. But after Jay White and the guns were in the ring, they were outmatched until the acclaim showed up. Scissor me, daddy! Ah! Which was a shock to every, ah! which was a shock to everybody because I think for the longest time the acclaimed and Bullet Club Gold hated each other. Yeah, it made no sense. I, I couldn't piece it together on paper while the Bullet Club Gold was working as the good guys here, and that the acclaimed would come to save them. It's the farthest guys left that are good guys, and the farthest guys that are right bad guys joining forces. I guess you could say the enemy of my enemy is my friend because the devil and the goons took out both these groups. Yeah, makes tons of sense. Uh, like, I just got got. Yeah, enemy of my enemy is my friend. But you, you're not got because you just said that. There we go. Puzzle solving. All right, let's put a bow on this segment. What was your overall impression of the Undisputed Kingdom? I, you know, Adam Cole was great, but I, I don't know. I wasn't impressed. I think Roddy's a good number two here. He did the Adam thing, got a little... Little pop out of that. Taven and Bennett are going to need to get over, but I think they're all good in ring. It's just they got to find a way to generate more heat now. It just feels like this is Adam Cole's next group he leads. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. I don't know. I don't think nobody there is going to bring anything to the table but Adam Cole. It'll be interesting to see if Bullet Club Gold turns face. I think the crowd would easily get behind them. I think that they're all tremendous in the ring. So do you see Bullet Club Gold turning face? I hope not. They're great heels. They're doing good stuff on Collision. Plus, like, the guns, just they don't work as faces. They're kind of like rich daddy's boys, it feels like. And Jay White's so chiseled that it's hard to root for him with my body. Yeah, I get that. Jay White's lean. He's lean. He's not eating shit like we eat. Come on. He's not in the BMW M lounge. I'll tell you that. All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and leave that there. I think we've kind of discussed everything we need to. And let's talk about the first match of the night, which saw Orange Cassidy defend his international title against Dante Martin. What were your overall thoughts and impressions of this match? It was everything I wanted. You guys went into the show a little blind. Now on another card, I knew the card, and I saw that was opening the show, and I'm like, yes, we get an Orange Cassidy International Championship match where it's like for the last year, it's just that's what opens your Dynamite shows with 20-minute bangers, and that's kind of what we got. Dante Martin did all these flips. Orange Cassidy did his pockets. Perfect stuff. Great to hear Jane live in person. Jane is the best opening song for any of these wrestlers. And Dante Martin did the, uh, he did a little Orange Cassidy impersonation too, which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah, with like the little kicks. He did his little kicks and little taps. And Orange Cassidy was like, what's going on? Then he was getting a little annoyed because Dante kept doing it. He kept tapping him a little bit. Dante Martin is, uh, he's got it all. You know, he, he flies around that ring off the top rope. There's nothing better than Dante Martin. So, yeah, it was a great, great opening. There are a lot of things better than Dante Martin. I'm just going to step in right here. Orange Cassidy's fantastic. He was worth the price of admission. His theme song is the best in the business. And I'm going to say that he is significantly better than Dante Martin. Dante Martin didn't make our top ten list. Nobody voted for Dante Martin. You're going to say he, who, what's better than Dante Martin? He put on a great show with Orange Cassidy. He's flying around the ring. He did a great job. Come on, what, are you going to rip the guy down because you don't like him? The guy's a good wrestler. He shows up every time. Yeah, Dante Martin did what you want with the opening show. He's your flippy doodah guy. He's so young, and I, I kind of see him as a very green, young Jeff Hardy for this company. Uh, you could kind of throw that label at a lot of guys because they have a lot of these flippy guys who get the crowd going and stuff. But just from a pure athleticism standpoint, like he is something special. He does need to work on character, his look and everything else. But that comes with time. Yeah, but everybody knew the outcome of this match. Everybody knew Cassidy was going to win. At no point did Martin make you believe he was going to win. But did you say it was a good match? It was a great match. That's all you need. That's great it. opening match. It was. Great opening match. 
Fair enough. I guess I'll give Dante Mari the tip of the cap there. Respect, sir. You had a great match against Orange Cassidy. Yeah, show the boy some love. Hey, yeah. there it is. Good job, Dante Martin. But He's we... also a guy that like has been around for a long time. There is some serious growth for him in AEW over the years. Yeah, well, he hasn't grown enough in my Well, opinion. he also blew out his leg doing a flip, so he took like a year off. Okay, well, let's see if he can build upon this momentum. Maybe he can get something going. He's with 20... Hydretti now. Yeah, Hydretti came out. Uh, Hook and Danhausen came out to uh, congratulate Cassidy on the win. They come out. They're like, good stuff, Orange Cassidy. Then here comes out Dante Martin's brother, Darius Martin, and... Action Andretti, who has the new gimmick, Hydretti, because he just crushes water bottles. They're like, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And then, shots, 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 shots. My favorite AEW original tag team, Private Party, comes out after, it feels like years of being away. Because Mark Quinn, who I think is the more talented of the two, he ended up busting up his neck and having to go on the shelf, where Brother Zay was with the Hardys for Limbo. They were electric. As somebody who has never seen them, and I, I didn't know about them before this event, I was instantly just all in on these guys. It might have been because of the shot song, but they just oozed charisma, and they pretty much called out everyone in the tag team division. No one is safe. Dude, they had a velvet rope on the stage. Yeah, it they, was great. They are the private party. Uh -huh. And I'm excited to see them get in the ring and tear it up with the best AEW has to offer. Mark Quinn was air humping uh, in the face of Orange Cassidy, I think. It's good shit. So we'll see what happens with Private Party moving forward, but we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Timeless Tony Storm just for a minute because although she didn't actually make an appearance in the show, she did show up in a pre-tape. It was black and white. She was hysterical. She did her chin up, tits out, look out for the shoe. She got carried away. She refused to be in New Jersey. Yeah, so she had to go to a steakhouse in Manhattan, I think. Everything works towards the gimmick. And then her protege made her debut. How would you describe Mariah May? I don't know if she's a protege or a fan or just like an understudy or something, but I love the pairing of the two because they're kind of gimmicky together. So once Tony Storm fully brings her in, then I think it has some space to grow. The understudy is a great way of putting it. They're both snooty. They got that European accent. They, they walk around like they're almost privileged or queen-like. So yeah, I, I like her. Well, speaking of Queen-like, let's talk about the actual match itself between Mariah May and Queen Amanita. Overall, I wasn't expecting anything out of this match, but both the Queen and Mariah looked good, I thought, and May ended up picking up the win. Yeah, they both look great in the ring. May is a lot like Tiffany Stratton from NXT. She gives me a, that, that vibe. She's got that same look. She's got a little swag to her. You know, I, I think she's going to go places in, the, in AW. I, I like May. I agree with that little take. I don't think she's as squeaky as Tiffany, which, in, in my opinion, hurts her. I think the squeakiness is great for the blonde bimbo gimmick. But Queen Aminata, no idea who she was, but she impressed me a whole lot. These two girls were slapping the tits out of each other. They and were. you could hear it. Yeah. A lot of tit slapping. I like tit slapping. I was expecting a squash almost, and this was more of a competitive fight than I, I think uh, Mariah was intending. But like we said, she did get the win, and the big talking point is that after the match, Deanna Perrazzo, New Jersey's own, made her AEW debut and announced she is all elite. Yeah, I was fist pumping for that one, because you know why? Jersey short. <laughs> no. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's just, she's fucking Snooky from the Jersey Shore. Donna Snooky, same person. I'm still over here fist pumping because we're finally giving some attention to the women's division. Deanna Perrazzo, she got canned by WWE. She was in developmental, and what she do? She goes out, becomes a five-time women's world champion across the world. 
These are the kind of bodies AEW needs to bring in. You have Deanna. We're, we're pushing Mariah May with Tony Storm. Say we could finally bring back Hater from injury, get Britt Baker back in town. Britt Baker's a huge buddy of Perazzo, so I'd love to see them do work together. It's just a whole new women's division. You could feel that mold that they're trying to Give it more effort. A great way to kick off the new year. Obviously, the, the women's division's been lacking, so making that a priority moving into the year is a great start. And Tony Storm and Mariah May pissed on New Jersey. Out comes Snooki. She's Italian. She's from Jersey. You can't do that to the home girl. She fucking stood right up to her. Put her in a place. She had these green sleeves that were just so glittery, and I kind of want that. That was like a green pepper. She's Italian. I think that one interaction was enough to get me excited for their upcoming fight. Forgot to throw this in. I think Serena Deeb's on her way back, who she's a good in-ring hand to have, especially going forward with current state of the women's division. Then Athena. I wonder when they're going to bring her back up. Athena is like carrying Ring of Honor, supposedly. So lots of different women in the AEW division to look out for going into 2024. And another big piece of AEW moving forward this year is going to be Christian Cage, who gave a State of the Union address after losing and then regaining the TNT title at World's End. And remember, it was Luchasaurus who won a battle royal to win a TNT championship opportunity anytime, anywhere, which he then gave to Christian, which is how the leader of the Patriarch was able to regain the title so quickly. So Christian basically thanked everyone who was involved, Nick Wayne, Nick Wayne's mom, himself, but Luchasaurus. It's Killswitch. His name is Killswitch, but all of us and everyone in the arena was chanting, Luchasaurus. Hey, did you guys catch Kristen Cage at the end? Now and forever. Did you hear, did you hear the line he used? He used the WWE line, now and forever. I saw that in your notes. That's, it's now, then, and forever. It's now, then, forever, together. It's way off. It's, it's 50% of a slogan. Hey, whatever, it's 50%. He stole 50% of the line, now and forever. You know what? Let's just go with Tony's point here. Say that was his intent. Great heel. Back to Luchasaurus. He's a my guy in Mike's book. This guy, I could see it right now, getting stupid over, turning face. I don't know how they're going to pair him back up with Jungle Boy, but you put him with Edge maybe because that crowd wanted nobody more than Luchasaurus that night. The thing that I worry about with Luchasaurus is that this right now is the most popular he's going to be. Wrong. When he's under Christian's thumb and everyone is just so excited for him to push his way out, I just think that once he ultimately does do that, he's going to lose a bunch of steam. Like you just said, what's the end game? He joins Jungle Boy and uh, Adam Copeland as their number three. Hell yeah. Luchasaurus was awesome in the Jurassic Express. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I personally think this past Dynamite might have been a career high for him. No. But, but Luchasaurus? Boom. This Dynamite, when he was standing in, he got fucking snubbed. That's a high? What are you out of your fucking the mind? The place was going nuts, man. You do know that Luchasaurus doesn't speak. He just opens his mouth and, like, hisses with a green mist. You can't remember kind. when he was fucking running him in Jungle King with a fucking... They were basically the highlighted fucking AEW no, shows. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he I'm is... Wrong. Maybe. You are wrong. Yeah. Luchasaurus is an elite-level muscle. He should have been in the Undisputed Kingdom. That would have been a twist. That would have been great. Him instead of Wardlow? Mm -hmm. Because... You could have Luchasaurus go and win a title for you and bring it back, and it's no question to ask. Yeah, he's a dinosaur. Yeah, he does it all the time. He did it for Christian at World's End. All right, so let's finish up by talking about Christian and just how he is starting his 2020-24 as hot of a heel as he was in 2023. He's still on top of the mountain. Oh, It's the best. It's just, I don't know. It just 
feels fresh. It feels new. I'm bouncing when I see Christian. Goes like, there's one big person I have to thank. He looks Luchasaurus in the eye, or Killswitch, excuse me. And then he turns to the hard cam and he puts his arms out. Me. You could like argue. He's modern age Sting when he went to TNA. Because that's when you could argue Sting made his like... His money and like his name known. I don't know about Sting making his name known in TNA. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. That's where he reinvented himself. He re I, that's the word, reinvented, because he created his legacy in WCW, just like Christian created his, his legacy in WWE. But he reinvented himself to another top tier guy in AEW, like Sting did in TNA. Remember when Christian debuted and they're like, Hall of Fame status worthy guy, and everyone's like, it's Christian? Damn, they were so right. Well, ever since he uh, came into AEW, he won the Impact World title. He's been TNT champion now twice. Oh, yeah, he beat Omega for the Impact title. Dude, he's had a terrific that. run. And I, let's talk about his supporting cast. I love that he's the father to Nick Wayne, and he's pretty much banging Shane uh, yeah, Shane Mama Wayne. Wayne. Mama Wayne. He's Shane. banging Mama Wayne. Think he's banging Mama Wayne? I don't know. If he's calling her Mama Wayne, he's uh, banging Mama Storyline wise, absolutely. Know. He's the father to Nick Wayne. And she know. refers to him as, like, the father. He's a great heel, though. He's probably the best heel in AEW right now. But I, I got to tell you, I, I like Christian Cage when he can't. I fucking hate the guy now. Well, he pisses me off. You know, he's doing his job. He's a great heel. He's the type of guy you want to punch in the face. I, I want to hit him. See, that's perfect because you know who Christian Cage hates the most, Father? He hates, he hates dads. dads. He, he hates, hates dads. He, he hates wants you. you to hate him. Yeah, we're good. I do hate him. He's doing a great job. Fuck you, Christian Cage. Money is made. All right, last thing before we move on. When do we think Killswitch turns on Christian? Oh, that's a tough one. AEW sets up their storylines well in advance. They, they go for the drag play. And their next pay-per-view, I think, is Revolution in March. So I'm going to expect if the earliest will be kind of early March or at the pay-per-view. But if not, it's going to go a little bit. It's going to be a fun storyline to keep an eye on. But next, let's talk about what I think was the best match of the night, and that's Kanoshke Takeshka versus Darby Allen. Hard-hitting, competitive, all the way, bell to bell. What did you guys think about both men's performances? Fantastic. I looked up at the thing, and I saw who it was, the alpha, you know, and, and then it said, take shitta. And, and you know what? I had crap in my stomach. I looked up. It's take a shit. I, I, I went and I took a shit. I felt a lot better. But his name is take shit A. Take a shit. I like taking shit. He is thick. He's big. He's got it all. You know, the guy's imposing. He's he's dominating. Yeah, Kanosuke Takeshita is kind of one of their prize prodigy projects where he came on the on the scene. He was kind of alone from whatever Japanese company he was working with where he would come in for X amount of days and work those matches. He lost a lot, but he also showed up fantastic match after fantastic match after fantastic match. Recently beat Omega twice, I believe. The rocket ship is strapped to his back. He's everything Tony Khan wants in, in his professional wrestler. Gigantic, 6'5", muscular, can do all the moves. It's just he doesn't speak English. And he's got callous, but I don't know if that's enough. He can get away with not speaking English because he threw Darby Allen around like a doll. Darby Allen, some of the spills he took and the way he was getting thrown around, I couldn't believe it. And this guy can jump off the top rope. He's got the lariat. He's got everything going from this guy. He doesn't have to speak. I don't care what he says. Darby Allen's the perfect fit for Takeshita because he's the ragdoll of AEW. He's somebody that Takeshka could just throw around. He he is the new German suplex machine. Takeshka? I don't know anybody who's doing a better suplex than him. He rolled down the ramp suplexing Darby Allen three times. And then later in the match, he did it off the top rope. 
This was a great match to reintroduce him to everyone as a singles competitor and a possible main event level superstar. I think that's what ultimately the goal was of this match is to say, hey guys, Takeshka this year is going to be a legitimate force. You have to look out for him despite the fact he has one of the worst entrance songs in the entire game today. So they did set up the, a tag team for next week, Takeshita, Hobbs, Sting, and Darby. Do you think Takeshita's the one to get the rub of Sting on the way out? Oh, he pins Sting? Sting's never been pinned. That would be huge. You gotta, you go out on your back. That would put him over tremendously. Did, going back to him, did you see the clothesline that he gave Darby? I oh, he's got a mean I've never seen a clothesline. Not only did he tumble salt once, he tumbled salt twice in the air. It was unbelievable. The guy is just mammoth. Let's give da uh, Darby a little credit, too. I feel like we're shitting on him a little bit. Man, can he take a bump like no one else? His coffin drop is one of the best high-flying moves in the business today, and he is the heart and soul of AEW still. After his match, he spoke to the crowd. He said, you guys are fucking awesome. We do this for you. We love you. And everybody gave him a round of applause. So even in defeat, Darby Allen is amazing. Darby Allen put take a shit over, man. It was awesome. He's such a good hand. Ever since Cody put him over way back when, he's done it all for them. I don't know how he's going to be moving in a couple years. He's a special talent to find somebody who's willing to basically jump off the Empire State Building. And he's like Gumby. Yeah, the green guy. Yeah, the green guy, Gumby. You can move any different ways. He has no muscles, no, no, no bones. That's Darby Allen. He's fucking Gumby. He, he's ne he never gets hurt. I've never seen a guy fly around and get banged up so much, and he jumps up and he walks away, and I'm looking at him like, Jesus Christ, this guy don't even have a little limp, nothing. He just keeps on coming back, and he'll be back, like Michael said, next week in a tag team match with Sting against Takeshka and Hobbs. So we'll see what happens there, but we're going to move on, and we're now going to talk about the fatal four-way continental title eliminator match between Trent Beretta, Brian Cage, El Hio Delvin... El Hio Del Vikingo. El Hio Del Vikingo and Brian Keith, otherwise known as the, the Bounty Hunter. The Bounty Hunter. The Bounty Brian Hunter was there. I, I'm still excited about the Bounty Hunter. So let's talk about this match. Who impressed you? Who disappointed? What, what were the takeaways? First thing I want to throw out here is regarding the guy that all of us liked was the Bounty Hunter. Awesome theme music. He had a poncho, a hat. He was singing his song on his way down. It didn't make TV, I think. But that's just one little quick bit. What about you, Father? I wasn't as moved by these four guys in this match. Whoever wins this fatal four-way is going to fight Eddie Kingston. There was no big names in there. I'm sorry. The one big game was, well, who was Brian Cage? We'll bring this back to me now. El Hio Del Vikingo is hands down the biggest star in Mexico at the moment. Well, he doop de doo He's not a big star in AW or in the United States. I bet you there's a lot of big stars in Mexico that nobody knows of. So, to me, it was a little flat. Eddie Kingston, the Brooklyn brawler. I want to see somebody good fight Eddie Kingston. Well, it's actually Trent Barretta who won the match, and he's going to be fighting... Yeah, who? He's going to be fighting. Trent Barrett is going to be fighting who? Eddie. That's kind of funny because his gimmick for a while was like, who? Where's Trent? Probably wasn't the best match on the card. But Brian Cage, the story they were telling here, fantastic, I thought. Brian Cage was destroying all three guys in the match until all three guys kind of suited up to take him out is when the match really came to an end. Brian Cage versus Eddie Kingston, very interesting. Love to watch it. It's not happening, though. Well, yeah, they want to have an easy match for Eddie on his first one. That's kind of the AEW formula. We, we give new title reign equals easy first match on TV. What is that, on Collision this Saturday? Yeah, Collision this Saturday. But I don't know, man. I hate Beretta. I wish they gave it a cage. What I'm saying is you could have came up with someone better than Trent Beretta. That's the point. You know, I'm not saying you got to put Moxley in there against Eddie Kingston, his first defense, but come on, Trent Beretta. 
Yeah, no, I agree. That's my big takeaway. I think Cage looked great. He actually won me over. I was a big fan of his, and I wanted him to win this match. All of us wanted Cage. I think that's what makes the most sense, but maybe it's because they don't want to have Eddie go over Cage. They want to keep Cage looking somewhat strong. We'll see what happens there, but I think we all agree that Beretta's probably taking that pin from Kingston. Oh, he's going to get railed. Probably. So now moving on to the main event, we had Swerve Strickland defeating Danny Garcia in a hard-hitting and entertaining match throughout, and... The dance-off everyone has been waiting for finally came to fruition. Whose house? When, when I, I drive, drive and, and I swerve. When I drive and I swerve. Man, I was singing a song and dancing for two days after this. I like Prince Nana. Yeah, Prince Nana, I think he was my manager of the year in the in the Really Awards. This guy has been fire for months now, working as the manager, not just for Swerve Strickland, but the Mogul Embassy in general. Cop pulls me over, he comes to the window, roll it down, I go, when I swerve, when I drive, when I swerve, when I drive. And he looked at me, he goes, did you go to the show? I go, yeah, I went to the show. And he says, all right, take it easy, go slower. He let me go. Everything I wanted from this match was in that Danny Garcia, Prince Nana moment where they were dancing back and forth. And on top of that, we got a bunch of great wrestling. So what's not to like? I think that this was the second best match of the night. There was one miscue that kept it from being the best match. He's talking about the misstep. When Garcia missed the sharpshooter on the table, he had it like halfway wrapped and it fell off the table. Yeah, everybody was chanting, you fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up. I don't like highlighting the one bad thing of the match over everything else. It was a fantastic match. And my biggest takeaway is the push it looks like Garcia's going to get. I don't know if this made TV, but Tony Khan comes out. And he's like, we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of Danny Garcia in 2024. I kind of want to see Danny get this push. The dancing gimmick's got him over, crazy over, but he does need some work. I want to see him fight Matt Menard. The magic man is kind of just riding Danny's coattails. I agree with that. It's kind of sad, but I, I do think Daddy Magic does good work on commentary. He's not getting over. Garcia's getting over, and he's clinging on to his leg for life. So... That's enough about Garcia, because we got to talk about the winner of the match, Swerve. Swerve Strickland, arguably the hottest wrestler on the planet right now, picked up a clean and decisive win on his first match of 2024. What do you guys see going forward for Swerve Strickland this year? He's going to be in title matches. He's going to be on main. He's going to be one of the main. He's going to be. He's got a high. He's going to be. <laughs> I got a cock in my mouth. You have and swerves cock out. in your mouth and your soul. Oh, so God. Oh, God. It just exploded. Oh, it went down my throat. Listen, he's going to be one of the fucking headlines for AEW this year. He's going to be in the feature matches. You're going to see him in title matches. He's got it all. And the fans love him. I was looking around when the music came out. He's going to be one of the stars this year, without a doubt. For all the positives we highlight on this show there are a lot of negatives with the aw product and one of them is getting talent over kind of on like a mainstream level i think one of the few guys that has that potential is swerve strickland he is the bad guy of aw and it's obvious is he the bad guy everyone loves him well, everybody likes to root for the bad guy when they're cool. But it's not like he's doing anything underhanded or nefarious. Like I said, he beat Garcia clean. I can see Swerve becoming a face on AEW because the fans love this guy. And it's not like when you see a Roman Reigns and the fans might be excited at this, but you get the boos. There was no boos in the crowd that night. No one was booing Swerve Strickland. It was all positive, yelling, screaming. This guy's going to be a face. See, this is, in my opinion, one of the hardships of the AEW fan base. They're huge wrestling fans, so when they see a good heel, they're going to root for the heel. They're not going to be like a casual fan who's going to be like, I don't like that guy. When they see good wrestling, they like good wrestling. 
you'll see heels though they get a little booed there's always people in the crowd that give them the thumbs down i was there the other night with you guys and there was not one person in that crowd that wasn't standing and clapping for this guy all right so after swerve won the match he was confronted by Adam Hangman Page, who was pissed off for some reason. He was pissed off about the devil. He got blindsided and taken out for a couple of weeks. So he went and he attacked Swerve? Yeah, he hates that guy. He beat him twice. I, I get it, but I'm like... See, this goes to my point where they might start to tread water, like that Keith Lee thing. They're like, we don't want to throw him right into the fire with Samoa Joe and have him face the title or any other champion, so let's keep him with the guy that's kept the internet hot and fiery. I'm not a big fan. They're going to go back to the Hangman versus Strickland again, but that's what looks like what they're going to do because I think they're going to prolong Strickland. They're going to bring him along. They're going to look for stories. He comes out, and everybody's going crazy. The refs ran out, and all this security comes out, and back and forth. So they're definitely going to have something going forward. See, the problem I have with this is we've been saying it for the last couple of minutes. Strike while the iron is hot. Putting him in a match with Paige does nothing. They've done that already. Okay, so I somewhat agree with the father here, but you're, you're 100% right. We've done the Adam Page swerve match twice over. They've both been really good matches. But imagine he wins again and he goes 3-0. and What was the last match they had, a Texas death match? That was a fucking top match of the year. So... If you don't have the right direction or you're not ready to put the title on a Swerve Strickland, keep it going. He's just coming off the Texas death match with this guy. There's still some bad blood. Let it run out a little bit. Build. They're going to build Swerve Strickland up. I'm okay with letting it build, and we could give Joe a little run as champion, but the question becomes, does AEW capitalize on the moment and put the championship on him? It's such a tough spot because Samoa Joe just got the belt. Will Ospreay's coming in, who I can only imagine's got a handshake deal to win that title at All In in Wembley. Which is when? That's in August. So it's eight months. We got eight months. But they don't do short title reigns. And then it's kind of like, is Swerve just going to get fed to Osprey? Joe's not going to hold the title for eight months. No chance. I don't think so, but... If he did... <laughs> Let's give Joe a two-month run, okay? Then we can give Swerve the belt for six months, and then he drops it to Osprey at Wembley, and you can set up a huge rematch between them two going forward. Uh, I don't like that. I want Swerve to be champion for five years. I'm fine with that, too, but this is also in the heat of the moment right now. So, so his popularity is kind of new, so you got time for this guy. I, I would just let it build. Let it keep building, building till it explodes, and then put the title on him. There's no need to rush. Yeah, you want to strike while the iron's high, because look, they were going to have him fight Keith Lee at the pay-per-view. If that's the momentum going forward, it's just going to go down and down. Keep him hot, keep him fresh. That's why they put him in the main event on this show, I think. And I think it was a great idea putting him in the main event because that was AEW saying to everybody watching, we are going to be showcasing these superstars going forward. And with him in the main event, it shows that he's going to be a major player in 2024. So overall, what was your opinion and reaction to the show? I think what you kind of said there was the outline for the show. This is what 2024 is going to be about. We highlighted Swerve Strickland. We highlighted Danny Garcia. We highlighted Mariah May. We highlighted Konosuke Takeshita. We highlighted Orange Cassidy. We highlighted the Undisputed Kingdom. They are outlining the, the next handful of months of what their product is going to be. I feel this show is so fresh, and I know I have somebody in this room that disagrees with me, so let's throw it to him. I thought it was a very good show. I got criticism, and I also have some praise. So do we, do we want to criticize first, or do we want to praise first? It's your world, Tony. Okay, I'm going to praise first before I criticize. I got to be honest. I'm not the biggest Tony Khan guy. I don't think he's a Vince McMahon. I don't think he has that GM in him. 
But after what I saw the other night, Tony Khan came out twice. There's no denying this man is passionate about what he's doing. When I saw him get choked up, and it was actually tears in his eye. We sat here in my eye. This guy is passionate about what he's doing. He wants this to be a fucking great product. He loves what he's doing. You won me over, Tony. I got to be honest. I wasn't a fan. I am now. Yeah, I think Tony Khan definitely knocked my socks off. I, I, is he a locker room leader? He seems to be very supportive of the people around him. Also, another thing that I want to highlight here is just the new stage. I think the presentation of last night was fantastic. We didn't see it on TV, but in my opinion, it's awesome eye-catching stage. The pyros were incredible. I, if I, a couple times those pyros came on, I was like, fuck, wish I had some marshmallows. Yeah, I we could have fucking toasted them. I got fucking hot. I was right there. I was like, whoa. We were feeling the heat. So while we're talking about things we like, I want to just mention how incredible the experience was to be there live as opposed to watching it on TV. It's a whole different aura and atmosphere. The wrestling is so crisp and fluid. They're moving so fast. It's just not as impactful when you're watching at home. So being live and in attendance was so much fun, and uh, that that was one of my big takeaways. Everything Anthony just said there was so on point. The, the wrestling is just so crisp that it catches your eye for the whole two hours. WWE shows, they're fantastic as well, but a lot of the times it, you feel that you could have seen that on TV and felt the same. WWE show is more commercial-driven. It's more scripted, it seems like, where I got the feel from this AEW show, it's more real. The people are more real. It's more like down-to-earth. It's more, you know, I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's just... Authentic. Authentic, yeah. It's just, you felt like you were part of something. So they did a lot of great things that night. I was impressed. I had a great time. But, 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 there were some things they could have did better. So you're starting the year out with no MJF. I didn't see John Moxley, who was in New Japan. I didn't see Chris Jericho. I didn't see Adam Copeland. I didn't see Sting. I didn't see Samoa Joe except on his screen. What I'm saying is... They could have had more of these people participate. Tony Storm, instead of seeing her on the screen, maybe she could have made an appearance. Sting could have came out to save Darby Allen. They could have went a little further with some of their star power to make this event great. They did a great job, don't get me wrong, but it could have been better. I mean, we're just nitpicking. It's the same thing. We also want to get all these other people on TV. It's important to try and showcase what the future is for AEW. I'm being a little critical. They could have made the event a little better. Picture Sting coming out at the end, and he saves Darby Allen, or he stands up for him. I know I'm not going to see him again. It would have been great if he came out. That's my point. Everyone would have liked to see Sting, but less is more sometimes. That's what keeps the aura so mystical. It would have been nice, yes, to have the star power, but at the same time, it was also nice seeing some of the lesser-used talent over the last year get a moment to shine on a big platform, a big stage. This was the first AEW of the year. These are the major players going forward, so it was nice seeing AEW back their guys that they're going to trust this year going forward. So, with that being said, uh, let's shout out a couple of people we ran into at the show. Clock, this goes out for you. I met you in the chicken joint. One of the first guys I talked to and took the survey with. He was nice enough to give me some time. So, if you're listening, Clock, you're the man! A couple others. Papa J all day. Braden, Mac Nelson World, Chair Shot Chronicles, and Chris from Hillside, New Jersey. It was a pleasure getting to talk to all of you. We appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully you continue to do so. And if you can share, we also appreciate that. As a reminder to everyone, you can find us on X 
Instagram and TikTok at It's Real to Us. For some reason on YouTube, we're at It's Real to Us One. So go ahead, follow us there everywhere. And one other thing too, the Prudential Center, great place to watch a wrestling event. I can't wait for a show to come back. I'm going. And that's basically all we got for you guys today. Um, you guys got any weekend plans? Yeah, I'm going to the track tomorrow. I'm going to the Meadowlands. I'm in Jersey. I was at Prudential Center. Now I'm going to the Meadowlands Saturday. I'm going to promote the show, and I'm going to bet some horses. You know, I need some extra cash. So I'm going to take a shot. Take a shot. Sad, but my program starts back up Monday morning, so I'm back uh, back to work. When, when I, I swerve, swerve when I drive, drive, when I swerve, and I drive. That brings back memories when I was about 19 and I got pulled over with the DWI. Cop pulled me out of the car. He's like, what are you doing? I said, when I swerve, when I drive. <laughs>